0: The date is February 16th, 2001, and we're watching Down to Earth. Welcome to I Used to Like This One.
1: and welcome to I Used to Like This One, the show where we take a look back at movies we remember fondly from our childhood and attempt to look past the nostalgia to see if they still hold up. My name is Sean Wells and with me, as always, is the Whitney Daniels to my Lance Barton.
0: <laughs> Hello, I'm Colin Stewart.
1: And this week, we continue our February shows honoring Black History Month with movies featuring black leads, and it's also Valentine's Week, so we are also featuring a rom-com, and this movie has a whole subplot featuring stand-up comedy, so with all that being said, we brought in a guest who does work as a stand-up comedian, my old pal, Tim Cubasic. Tim, welcome! Hey, thanks Sean, thanks Colin, so great to be here nice yeah, to, we're have you. Excited to have you i did reach out to you with this one and asked you if you had ever seen down to earth and you said no uh so this is your first viewing of this movie uh yeah 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 with fresh
2: eyes as you say uh um and uh i was uh pleasantly surprised i wasn't sure what i was gonna get but uh i yeah. thought it was great
1: right on uh, have you ever seen the movie that this is based on the the old warm Beatty movie heaven can wait
2: Uh, I've seen all the previews. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, because I'm an older guy, it was very popular when it came out, too. Yeah. And uh, it was quite a lot of buzz around it when it came out in the 70s.
1: Yeah, 74. And I also found out that this movie is based on a 1941 Claude Rains movie called Here Comes Mr. Jordan. I do, I do find it interesting, like with this movie, the fact that they've gone for the stand-up comedian aspect in this one, whereas heaven can wait, he's a quarterback in the NFL, and in that here comes Mr. Jordan, he's a boxer, is the main character, and so I just found it interesting that they went from sports to comedy, but... This week, we are looking back at February 2001, when the movies and theaters were Sweet November, Hannibal, Valentine, Saving Silverman, and of course, our movie for today, Down to Earth, which earned $71.2 million on a $30 million budget.
0: And hey, there's going to be spoilers, so we don't want that for you. So if you haven't watched this movie, and you don't want it to be spoiled for you, just hit pause, go watch it, and then come back. Please come back, as always. Please come back and listen to the rest.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just this movie is almost to the day that we are releasing this episode, 20 years old.
0: Nice Um, Nice 20th anniversary. (laughs) Look back.
1: Yeah, I know for me, I I have about a dozen framed movie posters in my house, and Down to Earth is one of them. Uh, This is a movie that I loved when it first came out. What about you, Colin? What is your experience? We know that Tim has never seen the movie, but what about you?
0: I've seen it before. I, I remember watching it. I don't know if I watched it in theaters, but I definitely remember yeah. watching it and enjoying it. But at the same time, it's not really a movie that I was ever like, you know, gaga over. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember liking it, and I think it, because at the time, Chris Rock was kind of my intro to stand-up comedy. Okay. So, like, Chris Chris Rock and Dane Cook at around this time, like the 9, 1999, early 2000s. Yeah. And uh, so I probably would have watched this movie based on my liking his stand-up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, watching it now, I still enjoyed it. I didn't realize, looking, looking at kind of the history of this movie, this was Chris Rock's first, like, real leading man role. I, I found that surprising just because he's such a comedic staple of so many other movies that i've also enjoyed yeah
1: yeah. now tim bringing up the stand-up comedy aspect uh you working as a stand-up comedian who who are your influences when it does come to comedy
2: well there's uh quite a few (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um and uh standard ones i suppose when like for me listening to jerry seinfeld after the seinfeld show was over yeah and, and and listening to his comedy albums was just like Wow, it was so much different than the show. The show was mm-hmm. still great, yeah. but his stand-up was just like was breaking all these barriers for me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I used to go to Yuck Yucks all the time and we'd have these the headliners would come and give us advice and they would always, you know, say, Well, these are the things you should do when you are a stand-up. Okay. Don't have jokes about airplanes mm-hmm. or airlines don't laugh at your own jokes you know so i sit there yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah okay. that's that's funny <laughs> and then i listen to this jerry seinfeld album about the time this movie came out and uh, he has these great jokes about being in an airline he yeah. said his own jokes <laughs> and you're just like well
0: i'm uh, i'm reading jerry seinfeld's newest book right now it's called uh, is this anything yeah. and it's just a collection of his jokes through, through the through the ages and i'm i'm in the 80s right now and i think it's probably the one you're talking about tim but it's like two pages of him just writing about like the experience of being on an airplane and like how the how the airplane bathroom is kind of like your own little apartment with all your mini soaps and stuff and all these like really funny jokes
2: yeah and uh, disposable (laughs) razors and who's shaving and it's the wolf man on this flight yeah Yeah. (laughs) you're on the flight so long you're actually shaving and i'm just like oh my gosh
1: which is which is funny that you say that airline jokes, you know, are the thing to avoid, because one of the first introductions we get to the main character is him telling a hacky airline joke. You, know?
2: yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. well, you make anything funny. Uh, but but I mean, it was good. It was, and I should give it another Canadian, uh, Mike McDonald.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, uh, I know. He's a legendary Canadian comedian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Went down to L.A. and I actually got to perform with Mike uh, before he passed away. So that was that was something. I remember watching him on this daytime talk, sh- geez, was it the Alan Thicke show on CTV? <laughs> <And> <laughs> oh, the- wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like,
2: way back when. And he had this joke about uh, uh, getting money from the bank on a Friday.
1: Because
2: mm-hmm. um, back then, uh, you had to go to the bank <laughs> yeah. to fill out a slip. <laughs> and he did this imitation of, of of people inside the bank closing and locking the doors and him being outside, and them going, you know, like, come on, you know, like, uh, empty pockets, and they're like laughing, and and I just, I mean, for me, uh, that struck my comedic chord, and I was just like, yeah, I want to do that.
1: Yeah. So the tagline that appears on the poster for this movie is a story of premature reincarnation. Mm. Mm. But that may not be the best description of this movie. So let's go to Colin for a sixty-second synopsis. <laughs>
0: I was trying to figure out if they're trying to make like a premature ejaculation. Is that the joke there, or uh, is that... yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it what itself? I was thinking. <laughs>
1: that's got to be what it is. But... Interesting. <laughs> Three
2: guys on the call. We all agree on that. Yeah,
0: because it's not even <laughs> really the incarnation that's premature. It's him actually dying. Yeah. That's true. Whatever. All right.
2: Here's <laughs> it's the flawed.
0: yeah. So here we go. Lance Bowie Barton is an aspiring stand-up comic whose time on Earth is accidentally cut short by an overeager angel of death. To make it up to him, the benevolent Mr. King offers to find Lance a new body to inhabit in order to live out the rest of his days and also to win a spot playing the closing show of the Apollo and get the girl of his dreams, Shanti Jenkins. When the search for a suitable body proves to be harder than expected, Lance is offered a loner body in the form of Charles Wellington, a rich, and more importantly, white, billionaire business tycoon. As Wellington, Lance continues to work on his act and woo Shanti, while also avoiding Wellington's wife and her lover, Mr. Sklar, who are plotting to kill him. And that is your 60-second synopsis.
1: Outstanding. Excellent. Okay, well let's jump into Down to Earth. It's directed by Chris and Paul Weitz, uh, who as a team are best known for the movies About a Boy, or more likely best known for their debut movie, American Pie. Paul went on to direct movies like In Good Company, Little Fockers, and Admission, whereas Chris went on to direct The Golden Compass, A Better Life, and Twilight New Moon. (laughs) <laughs> wow <laughs> Steep oh. decline <laughs> <laughs> From American Speaking of high. favorite
2: movies yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can we skip of the Twilight Moon
2: instead? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's produced by Sean Daniel Who is a producer on CB4 Pootie Tang, Dazed and Confused, Rat Race Hard Target 1 and 2 uh, the, the Wolfman, Mallrats All the Mummy movies including The piece of shit Tom Cruise one And all five Scorpion King movies, I I, I vaguely remember there being a second, but five? (laughs) Wow.
0: (laughs) The only one that matters is the first one with The Rock. That's right. (laughs) The rest have like, well, the rest also have a couple like WWE wrestlers and UFC fighters. And I think one has Billy Zane, but I I don't remember which one.
1: Nice. Oh, there's five of them. (laughs) It's it's also produced by James Jacks. uh, Most of those same credits, plus Michael, Tombstone, and Raising Arizona. And also produced by Michael Rodenberg, who is a producer on Extract, Everybody Hates Chris, Office Space, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Beverly Hills Ninja, and a shit ton of comedy for comedians like Marlon Wayans, Jeff Dunham, D.L. Hughley, uh, Howie Mandel, George Lopez, and, uh, of course, Chris Rock. It's written by... Well, first off, we have Elaine May and Warren Beatty listed because they wrote the screenplay for Heaven Can Wait, which this is based on. Other writers are Chris Rock, who hasn't done much writing except for stuff that he's been in, like Head of State and Good Hair and CB4, I Think I Love My Wife, The Chris Rock Show, Everybody Hates Chris, and, of course, his comedy specials. It's also written by Lance Cruther who was a writer on the Chris Rock Show, Good Hair, comedy stuff like Wanda Sykes, Pauly Shore, and BET Awards. Ali Leroy, who was a writer on Head of State, Chris Rock Show, Everybody Hates Chris, Orlando Jones Show, and also written by Louis C.K., who was, you know, kind of outed for being a pervert recently, but also a writer on I Think I Love My Wife, Booty Tang, Chris Rock Show, The Dana Carvey Show. So we open this movie on Lauren Hill singing and clouds and a blue sky and we get shown New York City in all its glory and riding down the street on a bicycle is our hero for the movie, Lance Barton, played by Chris Rock, who from SNL, Grown Ups, The Longest Yard, CB4, Head of State, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, blah, 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 and the voice of Marty in Madagascar. Lance pulls his bike up to a fancy apartment building and as he tries to walk through the door he gets stopped by the doorman who tells him that deliveries go in the back and we get a hilarious Chris Rock rant about why do you assume I'm a messenger? It's not possible I have a friend in this building inviting me in for some cocoa? (laughs) I I love his rant here though like it I've seen this movie dozens of times and like Just his delivery in some of these scenes just still makes me laugh every time. But I I do love in this scene, though, that the ultimate punchline of the joke is, who are you here to see? No one. Delivery for Charles (laughs) Wellington. Yeah. So we then follow Lance to the Apollo Theater, where it is open mic night. A quick montage of everyone on stage singing the same song, You're Gonna Love Me, and all getting booed off stage. That is until we see John Cho's Phil Kwan, who everyone loves for some reason. I don't understand like the super appeal of Phil Kwan.
0: Yeah, he's almost like he reminds me of a karaoke guy who thinks he's really good but isn't. But then they kind yeah. of they kind of paint him to be really good because all the people who come before him are so awful. Mm-hmm. But then I also just appreciate his enthusiasm. <laughs> so that that won not be over. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, actually, the. The Apollo for the stand-up side of things is legendary. It's a real theater, and it's legendary for booing comedians off stage if you yeah. don't connect right away. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's two things when I saw the—I was just looking at the movie yesterday. But uh, <laughs> when he came on stage, Lance, he paused, made the MC wait, which is terrible.
1: Yeah, and then the hacky jokes yeah. and,
2: the, and the terrible suit, which was reality in the. Stand up world, that's all I'm saying. It really was true to yeah. form. True to form. Uh been there, done that, got the t shirt. So yeah. not the Apollo, but other stages.
1: <laughs> I, I I do like though, like, you know, seeing the Apollo culture, like the the good luck touch of the log that's on stage. You know, that's that's part of the charm of it and the guy that, you know, rushes him off stage in the tuxedo. But I, I also like just the superstitious nature of the MC coming off stage and just saying, Don't touch me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know if it's superstitious or just a dick.
1: (laughs) I
0: was going to say there's, there's a shot in that scene where when Lance is doing his act where they, it was clearly shot after, but they close up to his forehead with this like bead of sweat, but it's the most (laughs) aggressive bead of sweat I've ever seen. It looks like a drop of syrup. It doesn't even look like water.
2: (laughs) Well, that's, that's the terrifying moment for a comedian being in such a great theater. Yeah. Like, I think there must be at least a couple thousand people in that theater.
1: Mm-hmm, there's yeah. two balconies.
2: Two balconies. I'm just like, and personally, I would love to play in a theater like that. Yeah. I just love to. Yeah.
1: yeah,
0: yeah. It would be it would be really hard. It would be really hard to uh, be in a theater like that and have it just be quiet when you're trying to yeah. perform. I feel like that would suck the life out yeah. of me.
2: <laughs> I, uh, yes, you are correct, Colin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So we get Lance backstage, waiting to go on for his comedy routine, all decked out in a Steve Harvey-type suit, complete with a bowler hat. He's chatting up his manager, Whitney Daniels, who is asking about his new look and gimmick. This is played by Frankie Faison, who is in Coming to America, Do the Right Thing, The Wire, Hannibal, Silence of the Lambs, and Red Dragon. He's one of the only people that appears in all three of those movies, and I thought it was interesting, too, that Hannibal was in theaters at the same time. So... (laughs) Lance tilts Whitney's hat and heads out to the stage where we quickly find out the audience's nickname for him is Booey. Well, he goes out and lives up to the nickname, dropping the hacky jokes like, why not make the entire plane a black box? And so the crowd just starts aggressively booing him. And I love the directorial choice of having his lapels uh, ruffling and, you know, like just the wind coming off of the the audience booing. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious.
2: what about that wave that the audience was doing when they were really booing them and yeah. they're getting up and they're doing the I'm yeah. just like oh, oh yeah. no all, mercy
1: no all mercy All by myself starts playing so <laughs> yeah. you 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 can feel that that moment of loneliness for them. it
0: reminded me of like uh I don't know it is like the old old school acts where they have the hook and they would just like hook people up when they yeah. were performing it
1: yeah old vaudeville acts so, it's another failed open mic, and we, d- we discover that the Apollo Theater will soon be closing permanently, and that there will only be five spots for amateurs in the closing performance. Lance tells Whitney he needs one of those spots before he dejectedly heads off on his bike. We get an internal monologue of him running down the things he needs to do when he gets distracted by a pretty lady, who we later find out is Santi Jenkins, played by Regina King, or maybe I should say Academy Award winner Regina King. Ooh. Who won for wow. if Beale Street could talk last year? Maybe um, next
2: time you can say Academy Award winner Tim okay eh? Yeah, there
1: you uh, go. That cool. sounds nice. Yeah. I like that. <laughs>
2: just dreaming here, guys. Just streaming.
1: So.
2: <laughs> Sorry. You're when on.
0: did what, what year did she win the Academy Award?
1: I think that was last year, if Beale Street oh, okay. could talk. Yeah, or maybe the year before. I don't know. Twenty twenty is a decade long, so okay. I don't know whether it was the twenty twenty awards or whether it was the year before. Also my apologies,
0: I had a dyslexic moment. I didn't I forgot it's Santi, not Shanti during uh, my okay. sixty second synopsis. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, we're gonna get a call from yeah, King's well,
0: No, we've corrected. Yeah, Regina King Richard. is gonna be calling me. That's right. <laughs> That's Colin
2: Stewart who made that mistake. If you're listening, <laughs> Mrs. King.
0: So I, she, I will never. I will never
1: work in Hollywood. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Please she, let me have the Academy Award, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she she's in movies also like Miss Congeniality, Two Daddy Daycare, Friday, Ray, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> she likes being around uh, Academy Award winners, 24, American Crime, Southland, 227, and most recently, absolutely killing it in the show The Watchman. I don't know if either of you watched that one.
0: Yeah, I, I liked that show a lot. I didn't realize I- I'm just putting the pieces together now, realizing that was her. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, she wears a mask for a lot of it. so Yeah.
0: You know. <laughs> yeah I, don't know. I don't know if that's excusable. But th- thanks, thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean, for trying to make me feel better.
2: Is <laughs> yeah. your wingman, Colin. <laughs> yeah.
1: She turns his head and distracts him long enough for him to get flat and buy a truck. And during this whole section, we keep cutting back to a man named Keys holding a stopwatch, played by Eugene Levy, who was on SCTV. And he was in A Mighty Wind, Waiting for government Best in Show, Splash, Armed and Dangerous, Father of the Bride, Almost Heroes, Shit's Creek, and of course, Jim's Dad and American Pie, plus all the sequels, like... All the sequels, including the things like American Pie presents (laughs) Ban (laughs) Camp,
0: and then the Naked Mile.
1: Yeah, the Naked Mile, (laughs) and yeah,
0: Beta House. Yeah, those are are the only ones I can remember.
1: I think that might be it. There might be another one or two, but yeah, Jim's dad like shows up in all of them. I I also like the fact that there's three American Pie actors in this movie from the directors of American Pie. Uh, we've got John Cho and Jennifer oh, Coolidge yeah. in this movie as well, Stifler's mom and the guy that invented the word MILF so, yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, as Lance gets hit by the truck, we see as Keys hits the button on his stopwatch and the scene switches to just outside an ethereal looking nightclub and we c- quickly find out Lance is now in heaven and very confused I like the idea of heaven set up like this with a bouncer and what not and and of course notably in the line we have the one hot girl who's tells the bouncer mike mike said i'd be on the list (laughs) (laughs) eugene levy saying tell mike to stop putting people on the list
2: (laughs) and it looks like a nightclub too yeah and i wonder who the the actor was that he turned away and said just go to hell yeah trying to get (laughs) back in
1: i already said no go to hell yeah yeah but Lance has no idea what's going on and kind of pushes his way to the front. Like, why does he get such VIP treatment compared to everyone else? Like, everyone else in line seems to know this is heaven, but Lance gets, like, personal treatment getting shown around the club by King. Like, <laughs> King seems to be the second most important person in heaven and takes his time to show Lance around and explain everything to him. Why does everyone else know what's going on?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's like you get the tour when you when you go and then you just party for the rest of eternity.
1: yeah but is it maybe because he was taken a 10th of a second too early that he missed some sort of waiting room where he finds out like the lowdown of
2: what's Uh, the deleted scene.
1: There you go.
0: (laughs) I feel like you're asking too much of this movie. I suppose
2: so. Uh, I love it when he uh, Eugene Levy's character gets in trouble because he took Lance too soon. And then yeah. he didn't, he wouldn't let Sinatra in without a jacket, yeah. <laughs> but, he,
1: but he didn't have a jacket. He was Sinatra. <laughs> Even in
2: heaven, Frank as bull.
1: <laughs> but so King is played by Chaz Palminteri, who was from the usual suspects, the Bronx tale pool house, junkies, boss of bosses, Oscar, like Colin said, kind of always a bit of a wise guy type character lance is convinced there must be some sort of mistake so they double check with keys and find out that lance was right apparently keys took him a tenth of a second too early and so lance demands that they send him back to his body but they tell him it's already gone and king thinks lance is nice and spunky i love how he says the word i like you kid you're you're what's the word spunky Spunky. So he, he he agrees to send him back to Earth in a different body. But I do love how he's like, I spoke to my boss. <laughs> like, I, I love how heaven's set up just like a business.
0: Yeah.
2: Boss, you talk to God? <laughs> he goes, well, yeah. yeah.
1: So he, he agrees to take him back to Earth in a different body. Someone who's recently died, but no one knows they're dead yet. So Lance is taking on a little montage tour of his option, someone who's jumping to his death because his stock market's just crashed. He's a bit of a fixer-upper, a weightlifter, muscles aren't funny, and a really old man who is about to have a heart attack from jogging. Lance hates all these choices. Finally, he is taken to a super swanky, high-end penthouse apartment. This is the home to Charles Wellington III the 15th richest man in America. And we find out that Charles Wellington has just been murdered by his wife and her lover. who are just waiting for the domestic staff to discover the body in the bathtub.
2: Almost murdered him.
1: The wife is played by Jennifer Coolidge, who is from legally blonde one and two best in show a mighty wind, Joey two broke girls. And of course, Stifler's mom in America pie and her lover, Winston Sklar, who is played by Greg German. Who was in Allie McBeal, Sweet Justice, Grey's Anatomy, Ned and Stacy once upon a time? And they are trying and failing to act natural and are being assholes to the staff.
2: Wanda Sykes, one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who,
1: who plays the cleverly named Wanda in the uh, movie?
2: <laughs> in this movie, you'll be Tim.
0: that to me that to me is always a sign that you must be a terrible actor if they can't even give you a different name because you just like like come on
1: (laughs) yeah like someone like tony danza always plays someone named tony
0: (laughs) yeah same same with like charlie sheen i feel like i feel like that's why he was charlie the entire run of two and a half men
1: (laughs) so that he'd remember his character's name
0: yeah
1: so yes like tim mentioned wanda sykes so she leaves the room, has the great line of, if that bitch gets one more facelift, she's going to be farting out her nose. So it's just, a ch- <laughs> it's just a chance for Wanda Sykes to be Wanda Sykes. Like, that's the thing is between between Chris Rock's character and Wanda Sykes' character, there's not a whole lot of stretch going on there from their onstage personality. <laughs> no. Super sharp. Super yeah, sharp. yeah. Lance the whole time is still trying to wrap his mind around the fact that he knows a crime has been committed, but can't be seen by anyone around him to warn them. But now enter the woman responsible for Lance's death, Santi Jenkins, being led into the apartment by the butler Sisko, who is played by Mark Addy, who is in The Full Monty, Knights uh, Tale, The Russell Crowe, Robin Hood, Game of Thrones, Atlantis, and still standing... Santi works at a hospital in a lower class neighborhood that Charles Wellington is thinking of privatizing. She has been trying to get a hold of him for weeks through his office and decides to finally crash his home instead. And for obvious reasons, Mrs. Wellington and Sklar know this is a bad day for her to be there. But Santi handcuffs herself to a table. Uh, She's there until he talks to her.
2: I wish I wish women would do that for me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, well, talk about a
2: dream come true, right? <laughs> a woman shows up and handcuffs herself. Anyways, sorry.
1: well her arrival has prompted lance to at least look at the body because he was apprehensive before about getting in the middle of this crazy situation so if you want to meet the girl you got to take the body so king takes him to look at the drowned body of charles wellington lance is hesitant now that he's seen what wellington looks like but agrees to take the body but only temporarily while king and keys find something better so the deal is made and lance becomes charles wellington the third and he still sees himself in the reflection as Lance, but the rest of the world sees Charles. Did you guys I felt
0: like the decision making process of becoming Wellington was unsound. And kind, kind of like I don't know. I'll talk about it a little more at the end. If it's kind of an issue in the whole movie for me, but like after he takes over his body, he doesn't really actually do anything to try to bring these people to justice. Yeah. You know what they mean? Like he kind of was just like, ah, just divorce me so I can go after this inexplicably go after this woman who's i don't know like 30 years younger than me now and yeah and also like if you wanted to be with santi like why would you and you knew you were this body was only a loner why would you spend so much time being in this body to try to be with her why wouldn't you just like move on to the next body of someone you could actually be in a relationship with her yeah my other question was also like they tell him in heaven that he's gonna live to be 2044 so yeah. is the understanding like if he take if he were to have like stayed in Wellington would he have still lived to twenty forty four?
1: Well, yeah, because there is the part where he almost gets mugged, and he says, "Are you are you positive that I'm going to live another oh, forty yeah, that's years?" Right, yeah, yeah, and it's like, well, okay, so I guess that means that he would have lived another forty years in Wellington's body if he had stayed. I, I, I think that it's more just seizing on the opportunity. Like, yes, he could have gotten a different body and tried to get with Santi that way. But he already had an inn. He, he had her handcuffed in his apartment.
2: Uh, I guess. I rest my <laughs> <by> case, Colin. <laughs> You're yeah. <They're> not thinking <laughs> straight
1: here, buddy. A beautiful yeah. woman handcuffs
2: herself <laughs> at your table in your house. That's you true. take those, the those old are... man's body.
0: <laughs> those, those opportunities only come around once in a lifetime. You can't, can't let it go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fair point. So now that he's taking Wellington's body for a spin, his first test is Cisco because Cisco has shown up to check on him. Is everything all right, sir? It's cool. Not too cool, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) I I like uh, the fact that it's very clear Wellington doesn't talk like Lance. But yeah, he grills Cisco a little bit. Who are you? Me, the butler. So you do all the butling around here. (laughs) And who am I? Charles Wellington, sir. Damn right I'm Wellington. I, I do like, though, this is one of those moments where we actually get to see... Like, they actually show what Charles Wellington actually looks like. I just wish they had done it a few more times in this movie. It's it's kind of funny just having that reminder of, oh, yeah, but he actually looks like this.
0: Yeah, I agree. And they they don't use it, except for the one time in the diner, they don't use it enough at the times where it would be the most awkward.
1: Well, the, the diner and on stage when he's oh, yeah. Yeah. doing the open mic for the first time, yeah. But but other than well, that, yeah, there's time, not a lot of others. Ca- oh, in the car. Yeah, where, the car. where he's throwing up the gang signs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. So now decked out in a full golf outfit, he comes sliding into the room. Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, y'all. Mrs. Wellington screams because she wasn't expecting an alive husband. Lance tells her and Sklar, I'll deal with you two later, before turning his attention on the handcuffed Santi their conversation isn't going that well from Lance's point of view because he's kind of trying to get his flirt on, but being stuck in the body of a middle-aged white man has kind of affected his game a little. Like, the flex of telling Santi he's the 15th richest man in America isn't really working.
0: <laughs> well, he also is just ignoring... He just ignores her issue.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, he
0: just, He's just, like... He's just rayed into, like, trying to get with her.
1: Yep.
2: Well, at that point, he's the key antagonist... To the story because he's bought the he bought the hospital and yeah he's been, exactly. hasn't been answering her calls and he's gonna you know push yeah. out the poor people and she's the white knight right
1: she gets her chance yeah. to un- unload on him about how despicable he is and how terrible his plans for the hospital are so she says her piece she realizes that the keys to her handcuff is missing <laughs> didn't your mama ever tell you to carry an extra handcuff key. <laughs>
2: <laughs> words to live by words to live by
1: that's right so lance finds the key and he also does the old you know what i got here i got your freedom oh <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh,
0: that, that would have been a time to cut to him being the like white guy yeah <laughs> see how see, see how that would have went over
1: <laughs> exactly yeah just like uh his line later on of you know that guy punched me like i owed him child support like <laughs> <laughs> oh in another room in the house we get to watch the disgustingly hilarious relationship of clara mrs wellington Uh, just where the where it's like you fat bitch and she like calls him a retard and then they just like start like making out on the pool table
2: Uh, and get caught that's the best part and then try to pretend it's innocent
1: Oh, I just, I love Jennifer Coolidge so much in so many of the things she does. And interestingly, it's like the second time she's had a uh, a love scene involving a pool table. If you think uh, back to American Pie as well there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I've only ever seen her in American Pie, this movie, and Two Broke Girls. And it's like, yeah. this is the character she always plays. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Has she ever done anything different?
1: Uh it, Go and watch some of those like Spinal Tap Guys movies, like A Mighty okay. Wind and the, those improvised type movies. Yeah, she she does some slightly different stuff in some of those. So I, okay. I can't think specifics at the moment. but So, yeah, he comes in and they're on the pool table and <laughs> he's like, honey, I'm home. And uh, <laughs> they're, they're just trying to play it off as cool that they weren't doing anything. And so he comes in hot, though. You know, look, I know y'all tried to kill me. From what I can tell, I kind of deserved it. I was an asshole. You tried to kill me. We're even. Like I just I just my, my favorite one though out of all of those is the you know, so what you tried to kill me. But you know like, <laughs> uh, And so they, you know, but we'll get along when you just admit it and then Sklar's like, "Okay, we tried to kill you." <laughs> I knew it. Please. <laughs> yeah, that
0: was that was my favorite part.
1: Yeah. Okay, no. I'm just playing. Look, you know, I'm not going to tell anyone, but I need, do need you to do me a favor. I need you to get Santi's contact information. And he's like, "Why do you want us to get some guys to take care of her? You know, does she have a dog? We could get, kill her dog. We'll get her a dog and get, then kill her dog. Get, get her a dog <laughs> and then kill it." <laughs> 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 but but, ba- but basically, Lance just wants to ask Santi out on a date. And tells Sklar that he can keep fucking his wife and keep her away from him. Actually, it's, you keep waxing that ass and keep her (laughs) off of mine. (laughs) And then, and then them being, like, absolutely disgusting. They're like, ooh, wax. (laughs) 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 Oh. So... (laughs) So now we start to see a little bit of Lance getting accustomed to just how stinking wealthy he is now, starting with the wall of TVs where the picture follows him as he walks. It's amazing seeing high tech technology from only 20 years ago and like how drastically this has probably changed. Like, this wall of TVs is made up of multiple screens. I feel like now you could probably just get one like hallway length screen. Like, like the difference between the old jumbotron at Oilers games compared to the new ones. Like, you know, it used to yeah. be a bunch of little TVs, but yeah, now the rich guy probably has like a full LED screen on his wall.
2: You, you noticed the regular phone that Santi had in her apartment. Yeah, the like, Radio like,
1: Shack answering machine. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. And only the rich people had the cell phones, right? Because yeah, Wellington yeah. had the cell phone.
1: Yeah. Well, he's playing with the motion sensor and then grabs a remote off the wall to try to change the channel. And the remote is actually for the fireplace. I, I do love how they film it with the fireplace going on in the background. <laughs> but then he goes, you know, how do how do I switch channels? How do I get MTV? And the TV turns out to be voice activated and changes channels. And, oh, Showtime, Playboy, and then BET, not available. So he goes to Wanda to ask if any of the TVs in the house get BET. Well, the one in the staff lounge does. Can I wash it in there? Of course, Mr. Wellington. It's your house. But as he walks away, she's bad-mouthing him under her breath. So he he turns around and comes up back up behind her. And and you don't like me what much do you, Wanda? And she promptly throws the other maid who can't speak English <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> oh, no, sir. I like you plenty. But she can't stand you. <laughs> this bitch can't stand you. She never shuts up about it. So they there smiling. It's great. Yeah. Offers to give the so he offers to give them a 200% raise, and does that make you happy? Ecstatic.
2: I believe it when I see it. (laughs)
1: She's She's still a pessimist, yeah, even when he turns out to be nice. So we cut to Cisco, who is in the staff lounge watching a Michigan state football game, yelling at the TV without a British accent when there's a knock on the door. Is everything all right, Mr. Wellington? And he just wants to use the staff TV for a minute, but who else is in here? And so this is where he finds out that Sisko is actually from Scarsdale. You know, and I do love, though, that when Sisko is trying to convince him that he's British, he says that he was born just a stone's throw from the River Thames, which, if I'm not mistaken, is an exact line used in another Mark Addy movie, A Knight's Tale, like a few months later. I'm pretty sure Paul Bettany at one point introduces Heath Ledger as being from a stone's throw from the River Thames, I Hmm. think, if I remember correctly.
0: It's been a long time since I watched that movie. That yeah. would be a good movie for this show. That would I loved be that a as a kid.
1: fantastic movie for this show. I think I know exactly where to slot that in in our upcoming calendar, too. So Lance watches BET long enough to discover that one of the last open mic spots at the upcoming closing performance of the Apollo Theater has been filled by his friendly rival, Joe Guy. Well, that's it. If he wants a crack at the last spot, he has to fine-tune his act. He's going to hit up an open mic at a comedy club. He asks Cisco where the nearest subway station is, to which Cisco responds to, do you want to take the car?
0: I noticed that every time he watches BET, there's a a reference to Brian McKnight, which I feel like would have been way more funny, would have been a lot more funny when this movie came out. (laughs) I know Brian McKnight was popular in the early 2000s, but I didn't realize he was that popular. It's like one of those things I see on the TV and it's probably funny, but I don't know why it's funny just yet. He, he They even announced later that he's closing out the, this show at the Apollo. Yeah.
1: It, and it's also funny because uh, I unfortunately decide I'm going to watch the Masked Dancer. <laughs> and, and Brian McKnight was unmasked as one of the dancers. And I automatically thought of this movie of, ah, that's like the only reason I know of Brian McKnight is because of Down to Earth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only reason I know Brian McKnight is because he had that song when I was in junior high back at one that was like the song that every guy wanted to dance to with the girl that they really liked at the school dance and one of my best friends i'm pretty sure he did this for multiple girls but he would call into the radio station and get them to play it nice (laughs) and dedicate it to whatever girl he was dating at the time smooth
2: yeah Yeah, very smooth
1: (laughs) yeah recycling moves that's extra smooth yeah
2: Yeah. (laughs) yeah not as smooth as having a handcuff yourself to a table but you know
1: there you go yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah for me the the junior high dance that you always hope for was everything i do i do for you by brian adams oh yeah that's a and good you, one you'd always hope that it was the extended version <laughs> it's the extended version there's like that one one part where there's like five seconds of silence and you you don't know whether to break apart yet. And then, like, the extended version cuts in, and it's like, yeah! yeah! <laughs> it's got me another minute and a half of, of, of awkward junior high dancing
2: with a girl.
1: <laughs> with a girl, you know, the hands on the waist and the hands on the shoulder. Oh,
2: <laughs> good times.
1: So we cut to the swanky car with Lance driving and Cisco riding shotgun with, uh, what the fuck is going on look on his face, because how he sees it, Charles Wellington III is dancing and singing along to Gin and Juice by Snoop Dogg, but that car, that car is a Rolls Royce, and I think that means it's time for Sponsorship Corner! Always on the lookout for product placement in movies. This one is another huge one. Down to Earth is brought to you by Rolls Royce and Hummer Cars, Mack Trucks, Stella Artois, Miller Lite, and Gold Beers, Velvet Ice Cream, Lipton, Wishbone Salad Dressing, Honeycomb, Oreo O's, and Cheerios Cereal, Uncle Ben's Rice, Starburst Candies, O. Henry, CNN, BET, Playboy, and MTV. Michigan State University, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Gray's Papaya and TGI Friday's restaurants, Radio Shack, Sony, Marlboro Cigarettes, Sleepy's Mattress Co., Bulgari Jewelry, Brioni Suits, and the Apollo Theater, as well brought to you by the fictional company owned by Charles Wellington III, Wellco. And this has been Sponsorship Corner.
2: Uh, Very good, (laughs) Sean. I don't think I even caught half of those.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of those, there's the one part where Keys is sitting in front of a storefront when he's got the stopwatch waiting for Lance. And so many of those are in the window of that store. Like all those cereals, the Uncle Ben's. Yeah, there's a lot thrown into the window of that store. Like almost half of those are probably from there. Nice corporations. So they get to the comedy club and we get Lance as Wellington going up on stage for an open mic spot and we get a nice uncomfortable moment that shows how drastically different jokes that a black comedian makes sound coming out of an old white man's mouth and this is one of the few moments where they decide to show what Wellington looks like just to highlight that fact. And a good portion of this audience is black, like even when we walk in, Cisco says, "Are you sure this is our scene? It's a little dark in here. <laughs> 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 with, with which, uh, with which Chris Rock's answer is you know, these are my people." And I kind of wanted to see like what Charles Wellington saying that line would have looked like the these are my people with the little head bob that he does <laughs> I,
2: I love I love his uh, I love when Chris Rock. Is still wearing this oversized jacket of Wellington's. Mm-hmm. It's almost it's almost dad size on him when he's doing his set. Yeah, it, it, it's really funny to see his like then the shocked look on all the people's yeah. faces. You know, yeah. it's, it's like he doesn't really
1: realize that he's this old
2: white guy now, right? You know? Yeah, like, hey, the black
1: mall and the white mall, and, he, and just like yeah, there's the white mall and the mall that white people used to go to.
0: Yeah, that's that's actually one of the craziest things. I feel like he never he never fully grasps that he doesn't look like himself yeah like he never he never really behaves any other way than as himself mm-hmm. but he even like later on when they go to the the press conference or at the hospital and stuff i was just like you could have actually used your Wellingtonness a little bit more mm-hmm. but he never really does
1: Yeah, I mean, people aren't wondering why all of a sudden he's saying stuff like, looks like some of y'all want to get froggy with me, you know? Yeah,
2: Yeah. I mean, I know that Chris Rock, you know, has to be on the screen, but if he was Wellington himself, which the other people are seeing him as Wellington, and he's talking like that would have been funnier, I think, you know, especially see this shoe goes up, you know, rich person's.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's from it's from Rich Man's yeah. ass and it's getting lonely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just thought like from a
0: s from a story perspective, I guess it would have been another kind of interesting obstacle for him to overcome if he if he had to like play the part of Wellington at least mm-hmm. a little bit. But yeah. I mean, it's still it probably wouldn't have been as funny. Yeah.
1: Now we get the Lance Barton has no chill montage. He has received Santi's contact information. And now he's, you know, definitely edging his way into stalker territory.
2: Yeah. 86 phone messages.
1: Yeah. 86 phone messages that she is screening. Extravagant flower deliveries. The bus shelter ad asking Santi to go out with him. (laughs) You know, the usual. (laughs)
2: <laughs> waiting outside her door with his butler yeah. in the morning
1: that's right and he pulls the old i thought maybe your machine was broken line on her and i mean she... i
2: guess
0: i guess that is like if he if he's not charles wellington the 15th richest man in america he goes to jail <laughs> yeah so maybe maybe that is him playing up his wellington this
1: <laughs> she just doesn't want to go on a date with him though he tries to convince her that despite what she may think of him, he's actually a good guy. Well, you know, we'll we'll see at your hospital board meeting what kind of person you are is the sort of result of all this. And then this is where King shows up again to tell him that they're still working on getting him a new body. Lance tells him there's a big rap concert in the Bronx tonight. Someone's going to die.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love Eugene. Levy's uh, uh later on when he, he's sitting there. In at the, middle the rap of, concert? At the yeah. rap
1: concert. <laughs> 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 now it's the next day. And Lance arrives at the hospital to a whole bunch of booze. There's a bunch of protesters out front and press, all led by Santi Jenkins. She has microphones and press all ready to go. And Sklar is just like, let's do what we usually do. I'll do all the talking and you play the strong silent type. But that's not how this goes because... When Santi asks Charles Wellington what he's going to do, now that all these patients have nowhere to go, he turns it all into a bit of a comedy routine, speaking the truth, and in the end, he ends up inviting everyone in. He wants to open up this board meeting. He wants the protesters, the patients, the press, all to come into the boardroom to witness the meeting. He opens it to the public. You know, crutch your ass on inside.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry, but if somebody called me Crutchy Crutch or Big I.V., that would be a problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether I'd be too fond either. Yeah,
2: I love the new slogans he had for the hospital. You know, if your head's bloody, you're our buddy. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bullet to the head, you get a bed. So he walks into the boardroom with all these people and takes up his spot at the head of the table. And so he goes through another comedy routine type rant about calling insurance in case shit. As in, in case shit happens. So many of the jokes here are actually in one of his comedy routines. I think it's bigger and blacker. But so yeah. much of the comedy bits from this movie are in yeah, one of his specials. But yeah, the in case shit happens. And so overall, this rant turns into, who cares if we lose a few million dollars? We will no longer turn anyone away. And this pisses the board off a bit. But Lance doesn't care. It's basically, do what I say and peace, I'm out of here. I got to go, he says. I got a date. <laughs> yeah, later that evening at home, we see Mrs. Wellington trying to work on her marriage, which, uh, you know, it, she is actually legitimately trying here, but she's offering up a threesome with Blanche from the club <laughs> with, like, the grossest, you know, hey, Charles, why don't you come over here and taste me? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that was so gross <laughs> oh, oh, oh boy and i mean this woman has appeared in a couple like fairly brothers movies i'm pretty sure and like she always plays a hilariously disgusting character uh i like i think she's in kingpin I, if uh, is is she the landlady in kingpin oh i don't remember but yeah so He's not interested. He leaves and goes back to the front of the house. And and that's when Santi comes to call in on Lance to see if he's meant everything he said earlier. And he seizes on the opportunity and asks her if she's had dinner yet. She thinks he only said all that stuff to get her on a date. But somehow Lance has found some game and gives her the smooth line of, I'm not trying to impress you. I just want to feed you. Well played, Lance.
2: Yeah, I wrote that one down.
1: Yeah you finally you <laughs> finally got some game, buddy
0: man tim, tim 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 got so many uh like pickup moves from this. From this movie, handcuff (laughs) them, handcuff them to the table.
1: No, no, no. I just want
0: to feed you.
1: (laughs) No,
2: no, no. The way you just said it, you're my virtual (laughs) wingman here.
1: The the way that you just said it, by handcuffing them to the table, that sounds aggressive and sex predatory. (laughs) Like you, you have to do something to piss them enough that they handcuff themselves. Themselves. That's (laughs) it. Yeah. Very, very very clear distinction. Very important. (laughs) (laughs) he uh, takes her for a hot dog and so again well played lance they have a heartfelt conversation about how wellington wasn't always rich and we get some more stand-up comedy type humor from chris rock as he tells the story about a coat he bought on layaway and wore all summer because are you kidding me (laughs) it took me six months to get this coat out of layaway and santi talks about some shoes she currently has on layaway and likes to visit sometimes and then this is when a couple of gangster types roll up in their Hummer, with with DMX pumping on the stereo, and the music's just going, and they're like in this restaurant just dancing, like <laughs> yeah.
0: Rough Rider anthem. You can't help but dance to that song.
1: That's right. One of the only rap concerts I, or rap artists I've ever seen live in concert is DMX. Wow. That and Vanilla Ice. <laughs> yep.
2: Oh, uh, I'm stretching it a bit.
1: <laughs> well when i saw vanilla ice it was actually at the rainmaker rodeo and the lineup for this was this is the greatest lineup ever for a concert it was dr hook as in like cover of a rolling stone dr hook trooper and then vanilla ice closing the show and it's like what a fucked up lineup but the way that it was it's like you could tell that they put dr hook on first so that all the old people could go home early when he was done. And they, they, saved, they saved badass Vanilla Ice. Good old Rob Van Winkle out there for last. And he was, he was he was smart. He saved Ice Ice Baby for a long time, so that people would sit through all his other shit. Did he do the ninja rap? No, no, he did not Dang. do the ninja. Yeah, go ninja, go ninja, go. Oh, boy.
2: I saw Vanilla Ice at an Eskimos game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not by choice but just by convenience <laughs> what,
1: what, what, what was he singing the national anthem
2: <laughs> uh, no it was the halftime show oh um, wow uh, well, yikes you know, eskimo fans weren't really ready for that but. So,
1: so yeah so we've got dmx rough riders playing like colin said and lance forgets himself yet again and uh, start singing along, but the lyrics are definitely not something a white man should be singing along to. No, they're pretty n-bomb heavy. Pretty heavy much, yeah. yeah he um, forgets
2: the n-bombs too at one point. <laughs>
1: yeah, and we get one of our only visuals, again, of Ch- Charles Wellington, much like the comedy club scene, to remind us how absurd this would look to an outsider, and well, the gangster guys knock him out with a punch. Because that's what
2: gangsters in New York would do, they would just knock you out with a punch.
1: Yeah. The other
0: thing I was just thinking was, I wonder what the logic is in not, ha- not hearing Wellington's actual voice. Mm-hmm. Like, in having you hear Chris Rock's voice instead of Wellington's real voice. I thought that was strange.
1: Yeah, especially just to get, you know, a bit more idea of just how crazy it is some of the Chris Rock-isms that come out of his mouth with sound coming out of this man's mouth.
2: I just had a thought when I was watching the movie and I thought wellington don rickles would have been a good wellington yeah uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I, I was actually looking at going is that rickles you know i just did a sec but it's like wow, well, it should have been it should have yeah. been you know
1: yeah
0: i was gonna say my, my guess is that you have to pay somebody less if you don't if they don't actually talk on
2: screen quite possibly uh, yeah. no that's true actually <laughs>
1: when he comes to Santi is there with him to ask if he's okay and when he says yes she starts smacking him what the hell's wrong with you and he forgot who he was for a moment he says but he likes the song and proves that he actually knows the song too and he says fun date huh she says I thought it wasn't a date I thought you just wanted to feed me well it wasn't until I got my ass whooped for you so somehow he's managed to get this evening turned into a date so that's the luckiest punch of his life I guess Which brings us to our date montage and we see them get caricatures made. And this is a perfect example of what Colin was saying earlier here where, yeah, he keeps forgetting what he actually looks like because he seems so shocked when he sees the picture of the old man in the caricature.
2: Yeah. yeah, But, I mean, that was the whole premise from the beginning that he would only see himself. So it's, it's plausible that he forgets, but you would think on some level, like Colin had said, that he would know that he's this big, white, rich guy, you know.
1: Yeah, at least with something like Quantum Leap, when he looks in the mirror, he at least gets to see what he looks like. Because, like, I was even thinking of the flaw of the fact that Chris Rock has a goatee. And it's like, okay, so how does he shave Wellington's face without shaving off his own goatee? Because Wellington only has a mustache.
2: Oh, Not to mention other bodily functions, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, Wellington's a much larger guy and and Rock is a slanky guy. Yeah. You know, like, maybe just running into things or moving his body or anything.
1: Well, and what if Lance Barton is hung like a bear and Wellington is not, but like when he's getting down and dirty, he's pretending like he still has those extra inches. I mean...
0: (laughs) (laughs) This shit took a turn (laughs) (laughs) that...
2: Plot twist. I'm not sure. (laughs) sure.
1: (laughs) So, finally, this date ends up with him walking her to her front door and... There's something about his eyes and that's something that keeps coming up. There's just something about his eyes and he ends up kissing her and she kind of lets him. And now it's like, this is one where I'm glad they didn't show what Charles Wellington looked like when they were doing the kiss.
2: And you remember the line he used to get the kisser?
1: Oh, who did the Knicks play tonight? Yeah.
2: So got to write that down. <laughs> 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 so who are the Knicks playing tonight? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Now Lance is absolutely jacked. He's running down the street yelling, yes, 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 picking up babies, kissing them. (laughs) That was a very fake baby that he picks up. Uh, Giving an insane amount of cash to a homeless guy, ducking from sight for a brief moment when he hears a car playing DMX, which (laughs) it's kind of funny that it actually is the exact same truck. Like they've just been driving around all day listening to Rough Riders.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Same thugs, same car. Yeah.
1: Until finally he runs into keys and Lance's theory about the rap concert was true. And they have to get him into his fresh corpse and they don't have much time. But Lance at this point is all, Nah, I'm good. Santi is okay with Wellington. So, you know, I'm going to stay. And yes, this is the point where someone tries to mug him and, and he chases after the mugger because he knows he's going to won't die for another 40 years.
2: Yeah. Hey money, give me your wallet. I think. (laughs) Yeah, he chases him down. And actually, maybe that, that part just before where he ducks away from the Hummer is probably one of the only times he's sort of realized that he's Wellington.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rough Riders has now become like a Pavlov's dog for him. <laughs> <laughs> we get a quick scene of the board members discussing their new issue of Wellington wanting to be more involved with the company. They're worried about that his new interest might extend to auditing the books, and we're pretty offended by the statement, so what if we lose a few million dollars, and one of the old men says, blah, 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 let's just kill him. Back to Lance, who is practicing his comedy act in his own home with his staff as an audience. He has asked Cisco to find Whitney Daniels, and Whitney is led into the room when Lance is wrapping up his set, and he calls him out for stealing the material. Personally, he would have chosen a better comedian to rip off, but there was something special about Lance Barton and the way that he worked the material. I, I love how he just kind of sits and lets all the compliments about who he is like wash over him first. And then, like, suddenly shifts and spills his guts. And it's like, no, Whitney, it is me. It's Lance. You know, he went to heaven and there, you know, there was these guys, King and Keys and and nightclub. And 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 so, yeah, Whitney says, I don't know whether it's drugs you're on or whether it's drugs you need to be on. But he's basically skeptical until Lance tilts his hat. And tells him a story about, you know, like, remember that time that we got those hookers and they both turned out to be men or something. And
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> he thought they were transvestites, but they were just actually really ugly. Oh, yeah,
1: That's what it was. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. So, yeah, he says, you know, you go to church every Sunday and put your money in the collection plate. This is just your tax dollars paying off. So now as Charles Wellington, he recruits Whitney as his manager and they're trying to get the last spot at the Apollo show. And he says, well, come on, look at all the laughs I was getting. But Whitney gets real with Lance. You pay those people. You need to work your material in front of a real crowd. So being incredibly wealthy, Lance buys a comedy club and starts working his material in a mini montage.
2: When I was watching that scene for the first time and uh, the MC brings uh, uh, Wellington onto the stage and I, and you just see him briefly and I go, I think that's Kenny Robinson. He's this uh, Canadian comic from um, I think Montreal or Toronto. Oh, yeah. And I had met him like years ago. He was like a big deal out East hmm. and he was touring with yucks for many years. And he like established sort of a multicultural comedy festival um, out in out East. Anyways, he's, okay. he's got lots of kudos and it was like, yeah. And he got that spot. I thought that was so cool that he was, um, that he got that little spot in the movie. You know? like,
1: yeah. 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 yeah, just a, hey, I know that guy.
2: Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, am I having a, oh, yeah. And like I say, I mean, I, I met Kenny Robinson, really funny guy, really nice. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, he wouldn't know me. I haven't yeah. seen him for many years, but
1: you know, still, it's cool. So Lance gets a little advice from Santi, who tells him the stuff he said at the hospital is funny. That's the kind of shit he should be doing. And so when this montage ends, we get a scene with Mrs. Wellington and, my God. You gotta love Jennifer Coolidge. She's all dressed up in, like, that early 2000s rap girl outfit and, like, trying to twerk. Like, Jennifer Coolidge just fucking goes for it, <laughs> you know? Yeah.
2: I like the Coolidge scene, I like the, scene, and I like the yeah. twerking,
1: because it's
2: fantastic. <laughs>
1: she's telling Lance that I know, I noticed you've been going through a bit of a jet magazine phase lately. And so, I mean, <laughs> as as crazy as this character was in the beginning though, you actually have to feel kind of bad for her now. Like she, it, it seems like the, the relationship she had with Sklar was only exciting when it was like on the DL. Yeah. yeah. I don't think she had the purest of intentions to go and try to make it work with her husband and break up with Sklar, but she is actually legitimately trying though like even if her reason for it is the wrong one.
0: <laughs> yeah, on the like on the second watch of this movie this week, I really didn't understand what's happening with her. Like obviously <laughs> all all her scenes are they're comedic and they're just funny and and kind of like they're like candy basically, but it's like st- in the story I don't really get it. I don't like how it's never really explained how they go from wanting to kill him and then they, they clearly don't succeed because he's now walking around alive. Yeah. But after the, they're kind of called out on it, then all of a sudden she wants him back. Mm-hmm. Like, she just has the freedom to go. I don't understand why. And I mean, later on when, you know, spoiler alert, but Wellington gets shot and Sklar has something to I don't get it. I don't understand why. Yeah. <laughs> what the point even was.
1: I, I just, I feel it's very much, the the thrill is in the... In the like, hunt? yeah, or like the the excite, the excitement is in like the the underbelly of it all, and so you know I think uh, the getting caught it's like okay the Sklar shit was just no longer exciting for her. There was even that scene where Sklar was trying to make out with her and dirty talk with her,
2: and and, and she just goes uh, too little too late. Nice yeah, try, really. but you know.
0: Yeah. Or is it because he survived their murder attempt that she thinks he's, like, super super virile or something like yeah, that, and maybe. she regrets she regrets That's what she's just, done now? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but Lance just straight up tells her that he wants a divorce because he wants to be with Santi. He doesn't really care about the money. She can keep whatever she wants. Like, he's making it super amicable. So at least he is being nice about it. And she says, word, and he says, word. <laughs> so back to the comedy club where lance is about to go on stage whitney is psyching him up are you ready good because the judges from the apollo are here and so this has turned into an audition so he gets introduced as a man who likes comedy so much that he bought the whole damn club So he launches into his routine, once again falling back on the hacky jokes Lance is known for. You know, when I was a kid, we were so poor. Well, he's getting heckled by a guy in the audience. (laughs) Which, his heckles are, like, complete shit, though. Like, he's just, crap, crap, crap. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) nice heckles. But then Lance thinks about what Santi said about the hospital rant, and uh, switch flips in his brain, and he tells the heckler, shut up before I crush you with my wallet. You know, do I come to your job and kick the squeegee out of your hand? and suddenly he's Chris Rock on stage. Yeah, Yeah, he's
2: got the Chris Rock swagger material. All his power just came back at that moment when he crushed that heckler and uh, like you said, he became Chris Rock. Yeah. He wasn't doing the hacky jokes, you know, my mom was so poor and this roach was so big, you know, it was in the draft. Those are thrilling moments that I've experienced too.
1: You know, one thing that I do kind of find funny about it, though, is that, like, you know, he's got the setup of the joke of, you know, we were so poor. And then when he, you know, when that switch flips, like he he suddenly just turns into, no, we really were poor. We really were poor. And like it's he's still kind of telling a hacky joke about we really were so poor that we, you know, my dad would unplug the clocks while we were sleeping. But it's the delivery that absolutely changes and makes it that much better. And like, you look at the base of the joke though, and it's really not much more than it's just like, we were so poor that.
2: Yeah. But the sincerity was there. Um, yeah. And, and, and his confidence and everything. It wasn't like, there's was a bit of the other stuff. And, and this is the other fun part. It's like, okay, Chris, uh, in this next scene, we need you to play a bad comedian. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, uh, and I, I'm thinking even, even the name Lance Spartan, the hat, the, the jokes, it, it must have been so hard for him to kind of push those gears back, you know, because, you know, even at then, I mean, he was certainly the skyrocketing comedian just just i kept thinking of, i was wondering if there
0: was somebody like a bad comedian that he knew yeah that he was just trying to like copy it was if, yeah if if, if if that comedian watched the movie and kind of knew
1: yeah <laughs> wait a minute <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's my move the hat
1: that's my set <laughs> yeah. well i did compare the suit to steve harvey earlier so i don't know uh... <laughs>
2: yeah well all, although I, I mean i guess the other part is that all, all comedians started somewhere and we you know like certainly not trying to compare myself to chris rock but uh, yeah. you know there, there was probably a time where you know when he was just starting it it, it just did bad stuff right like because he, it's so yeah. hard you know like you don't know you, you're trying everything and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't it's no hard and fast rules right mm-hmm. you know like yeah for sure you know, so
0: I was actually taking a stand-up comedy class in when was that in the fall, and uh, it was so hard because like no you I I actually like realized as I was doing the class like I feel like the teacher is in an unenviable position because you can't really teach stand-up comedy yeah and and just because you're funny or you say funny things sometimes it doesn't mean that you'll be a good stand-up comic like there's a lot of work that actually goes into like, refining an act and that kind of thing that I think a lot of people don't really appreciate it. I found it super difficult, even in, like, the tame environment of, like, a classroom with, like, people who... There's only, like, five people, but there's people there who, like, you know, nobody's there to, like, rip you to shreds or anything. So for other people who do it the other way, where, you know, you're just trying to, like, write things as they come to you and then try it out at open mics with people who kind of want to tear you apart, I think, sometimes,
2: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that'd be tough. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, you know, people... And, and humor is great wherever you can use it, you know, like some of, you know, and this is where a lot of, well, most comedians went, you know, like, like, hey, I'm funny with my friends.
1: Yeah, I'm <laughs> a stand up
2: comedian. And, uh, yeah, but when you're, when you're around your friends, your friends love you, right? You know, and you're comfortable and they'll laugh even if you mess a joke up or they're even laughing before you get there. So it's a very warm crowd, like the class you were talking about calling and, mm-hmm. and, but then you get on the other side of the microphone in front of an audience who doesn't give a shit. You know, and if you don't engage them or, you know, if you say something you don't like and they turn on you, it's 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 really it's really tough. And and they can do that at any time. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and you realize that your really wicked impression of your best friend, James, just doesn't work on stage in front of strangers. Right. It slays with your buddies. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) You do it every time. (laughs) they'll love it. Right. I I swear if you knew this guy, you knew you'd know I was doing a bang up job of this. Yeah, and
2: El- my Jane friend's James is Elmer Fudd. This is this is this is great.
1: <laughs> I should have a
2: comedy special with this.
1: You know. <laughs> Charles Wellington's routine kills, and he gets the last slot in the Apollo showcase. And then we cut to a community slash hospital outreach barbecue, where all of the board members are clearly disgruntled, being there on orders from their new improved Charles Wellington boss. Lance takes this opportunity to propose to Santi um how long has it been at this point maybe a couple of weeks like i mean the comedy club purchase montage definitely showed a passage of time but yeah i I'd, I'd guess maybe a couple of weeks like not months definitely not months right i don't know i was gonna say like like minimum i was gonna say
0: it's been at least two months you think so i think so
1: okay it's still really quick to propose to someone Someone that was apprehensive about starting up a relationship with you in the first place. Yeah. (laughs) We can dream, can't we, Sean? (laughs) Don't be such a dream crusher. (laughs) Tim really wants to have this meat cute of someone handcuffing themselves to a piece of his furniture. He wants this in real life. Like, this is the ultimate meat cute, guys.
2: <laughs> oh, that's legendary.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh yeah, did you ever have a girl come over to your house and handcuff herself to your table?
1: Uh yeah, not until after we'd already been dating for a long time. Oh, oh. so so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't know how to respond to this, but meanwhile across the park, Lance has spotted keys who is hanging out and he tells, I like how Keys is hiding behind the tree, like waving him behind the tree. And it's like, um, like no one can see you, Keys. Yeah. But, but he tells Santi to hold that thought uh, by getting her to cover her ears. You know, he's still smooth with Santi while he goes to see what Keys wants. And Keys tells him it's time to go. But Lance doesn't want to. Everything is finally going well with Santi and his comedy career. But King then shows up. He, you Keys know, brings in the big guns and tells him that it's bigger than all that. This is fate. And he says, how come every time something bad happens, it's fate? And anytime anything good happens, it's luck. I felt bad for that line. Yeah.
0: I thought that, li- that line is such a good line of dialogue and should have had so much meaning. But in this movie, it's just kind of so meaningless. Because yeah. nobody, like, I don't know... I don't know. Really, like everything has just happened so weird, so strangely, and mm-hmm. so like nonsensically that it's like I don't even really care about like your your bad feelings at this point right now. Yeah, uh, like he knew it was coming. Yeah, you knew this was gonna happen. That's What's true, wrong yeah. with you?
1: <laughs> yeah, he just hates the timing. But yeah, so he's in panic mode now. So he goes back to Santi to basically say goodbye, telling her to give someone else that may come along a chance. And then this is when the blah, 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 let's just kill him comes back into play as Charles Wellington, III gets assassinated and we get an overhead camera angle, which shows Wellington on the ground with keys and King and Lance looking over him. I like this shot for some reason. I don't know why there's just something about this shot. Like it's a very simple overhead shot, but there's just something about the imagery of it. I, I don't know. But Lance is saying, you know, you just got to get me back, guys. I'll do anything. I'll be anybody. And King ominously tells him there'll be consequences. And so we get a quick scene of Whitney and Santi meeting and Whitney cryptically telling her that he's out there somewhere. You weren't in love with Charles Wellington. You were in love with someone inside Wellington. (laughs) And, And he just knows that we'll see him again. And then cut to a car where King and Lance are riding in the back seat. And the driver of the car is Joe Guy on his way to his Apollo performance. Lance is about to get a new body and Joe is about to die. So Lance tries to warn him, but obviously didn't learn his lesson before when he was trying to tell Wellington's maids to call the cops because Joe can't hear him and flips his car. And now Lance Barton is Joe guy. And with no car now he tries to flag down a cab and none of the cabs are stopping. And so he proclaims, yes, I'm black again.
2: god. <coughs> oh <no. laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that would fly today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we cut to a depressed Santi watching the news where they are reporting the death of Charles Wellington, and we get a little wrap-up of that story thread now that, he, now that Lance has become a new person. Sklar is being detained in connection with the death. Wanda is interviewed where she says how much of a dick Charles Wellington was, but that man that died in the park, that wasn't no Charles Wellington. He was my brother. And the bulk of his estate was left to charities, the hospital, and his loyal domestic staff. And I do want to point out that they end this news report by mentioning his age. Did either of you catch his age when they said it?
0: Oh, It's no. like 55 or something, like well, 57.
1: Yeah, I, I, oh yeah, 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 he wasn't I, I, that old. Because I was going to say, if you guys had to guess just by looking at him, how old do you think he looked? I would have said he's like
0: mid to late 60s.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: or like seventy, early seventies.
2: Yeah, I, like I, seventy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would have said 65, 70. but yeah, the news report says that he's fifty-three, and and I know I heard that, and I'm like, bullshit, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and then I looked up the actor on IMDb, and he was fifty-three when he made this movie, and I'm just like, holy smokes! No,
0: that's, a, that, that's a, <laughs> He he must have been doing some hard living because he did not.
1: he He did not look yeah like i know it's not the best example because it's hollywood but i mean you take a look at someone like tom cruise or brad pitt you know they're in their 50s and i was just floored when they said 53 in the news report
2: some people just age differently then that's yeah and 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 not just not aging but then you know what they do with themselves too right you know Mm -hmm. sometimes you get that you meet people you know how old are you I'm like oh damn
1: <laughs>
2: you know, you, know, like, you got to take better care of yourself. You know, or, or 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 the opposite way is like, you know, how old are you? Holy shit! What have you been doing? You look uh, great. You know, like you know, yeah.
1: I had a friend on Facebook that it's like I I was in high school with, and he had posted this picture that I'm just like, who's this old man? He's posting a picture of, and then I'm like, oh shit, that's him. Oh, whoops, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we now go to the Apollo Showcase in full swing. Whitney is hanging out backstage with Phil Kwan on stage and says hi to the Apollo. I guess you'd call him a hook guy with with Colin's example of the hook earlier. He, he was He's the broom guy. Yeah, he was the yeah. broom guy. And and he tells him, I'm just hanging out. And the broom guy says, "Ah, uh, yeah, I miss Bowie too. And so it's time for Joe Guy to take the stage. He goes right past Whitney onto the stage and launches into his routine. And then he turns and gives Whitney a little wave and Whitney realizes ah it's actually Lance and so Lance slash Joe guy plays out this very Chris Rock stand up (laughs) routine and he slays and Whitney and Lance get reunited while on stage the very next comedian is using like the exact same hacky joke from the beginning about the black box
2: (laughs) why doesn't it make the whole plane out of that the funny part is I have heard that joke before by somebody
1: else (laughs) Yep. So King shows up during the after party to tell Lance that this is it. This is his forever body now, but there's a catch. He's not going to remember anything. These are the consequences King warned of. He will be Joe guy. His soul will be there, but he won't remember being Lance Barton. And he says, I had a hard enough time getting Santi as a rich white man. How am I ever going to get her as a poor black one?
0: I don't understand how this is a consequence. of, like, what what action is it a consequence of? Because Uh, this this was the whole plan.
1: Trying to cheat fate? I don't know.
0: Like, technically, he wasn't even supposed to die as Wellington, because if he was gonna die by getting shot by that guy, why didn't he have to be afraid of the mugger, like, a few scenes earlier? And so it's like, they make it seem like, you know, his insistence on getting a new body after Wellington, they already owe him a new body. Wellington was always just the loner, so... Really, the consequence maybe was, like, they killed Joe Guy to give him a comedian's body so he could still make it to the thing. Yeah. But that kind of makes Lance the bad guy. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, I, I mean, the thing is, like, Lance basically changed his fate, which is why that... I think that's what the consequences are, is that by doing the things he did as Wellington, he brought down an irreversible death. It's kind of like when Black Widow has to sacrifice herself in Avengers, right? Like... She uh she can't come back when they re-snap everyone else back into existence because she changed fate forever by getting that infinite I don't know. Maybe that's our yeah. example. I thought I was on a roll.
2: <laughs> uh, watch a few episodes okay. of Family Guy and we'll see Stewie and his time machine. There and you go. You know, yes. we'll see about time machine consequences.
1: There. So yeah, so King snaps his fingers and this is the moment of getting flashy things like in Men in Black and King leaves and Lance's memory is wiped. He is now Joe Guy. So as Joe Guy, he bumps into Whitney. Whitney is trying to talk to him as Lance, but soon realizes that Lance is gone. But fate brings them back together anyway because Joe Guy wants to hire Whitney as a manager. Then Santi shows up looking for Whitney, but bumps into our new Joe Guy He tells her how to find Whitney when the lights in the theater turned out. Uh Uh-oh, looks like you got to go with me. And he escorts her out and says some of the things that he used to say as Wellington. And she starts looking at him a certain way, like the, you know, everything's all right. And when he was on stage, they didn't boo. That's how it went, you know, and he just wants to feed her. So Uh,
0: another great line. It all comes back to that. I just want to feed you.
1: Yeah. So she's now got a bit of a lady boner over him and decides, okay, yeah, I am, I'm, I'm starved, yeah. She's
2: so got the Rolls Royce now.
1: Yeah, and yes, they get into the Rolls Royce with Cisco and Wanda, and the license plate says Cisco won. Santi owns the hospital. Wanda is not the maid. She's the paid. Everyone in the car. Oh.
0: <laughs> I love that line.
1: Uh, and, and like she's wearing the fur coat that she's got and, and she had the blood spilled on earlier. And he's just like, is your coat bleeding? <laughs>
2: Mind your business. <laughs> Mind
1: your business. Uh, so, yeah, everyone in the car almost gets hit by a truck. But everyone is OK, except Wanda, who says, hell no, I spilt my drink. So we get a uh, quick encore from keys and king with the i told you to keep an eye on them i bent over to tie my shoes sorry sir it won't happen again then joe takes over driving like in what world would this complete stranger who you've known for literally 90 seconds just be like no hop out i'll drive your rolls for you
2: (laughs) people are trusting in new york sean
1: i guess so yeah (laughs) and he asks for music from cisco and we get a return of gin and juice by snoop dogg the end. That is down to earth. Rule so, credits. Now, Colin, Tim, on IMDb, it scored a 5.5 out of 10 and has a meta score of 32. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 20% on the tomato meter and an audience rating of 40%. But Colin, those are just numbers. Like a Mack truck to the side of a bicycle, hit us with some reviews.
0: A Mac Truck indeed, we're gonna take a look at some of the critics' reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, so. I'm gonna start with Matthew Feeney from Slate. He says the makers of Down to Earth were faced with a dilemma nobody would have anticipated. Boosting their stars screen time kills the comedy.
1: I I, I actually wonder whether that was someone that wanted more Charles Wellington.
0: I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Peter Travers with Rolling Stone says a ham-handed fantasy that manages the damn near impossible feat of making Chris Rock unfunny.
1: Oh,
0: oh. <laughs> Donald Monroe with the Fresno Bee says, Shoddy in concept, woefully plotted, and so sluggish, it suggests an arthritic dog crossing the street. The film settles for little more than tired gigs and rock sweet
1: smile. Which I I, I actually read that while he was filming this movie, he was getting his teeth worked on. So he actually went (laughs) through a major tooth overhaul in this movie, which is kind of funny that that guy is complimenting his winning smile. It's like, looks looks like that dental work did its job. Yeah.
0: Nice. And then the last one I have is from Roger Ebert with the Chicago Sun-Times. Chris Rock is funny and talented, and so I have said several times. This project must have looked promising since the directors are our brothers Chris and Paul White's fresh from American Pie, but the movie is dead in the water.
1: Oh, Roger. Oh, man.
0: So, yeah, not so, not so glowing reviews Definitely for this movie.
1: Not, no. Right on. So, like I said earlier, 5.5 out of 10, 32, 20%, 40%. Wow. People hate this movie. Let's start with our special guest. It was your first viewing. You seemed positive about it at the beginning. Where do you fall for the, with this movie? Are you as much of a hater as those critics obviously were? No,
2: uh, <laughs> not at all, actually. I, uh, e- even though, you know, plot-wise, you know, maybe it could have been stronger and, and all those things. Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. It was, you know, like Eugene Levy, Jennifer Goolidge, the guy that played King. Regina King, you know, Santi, um, yeah. all those really made the movie for me as well. And then mm. of course the stand-up parts, uh, really hit home with me, you know, like, like when he's failing, cause I've done lots of that. <laughs> 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 the fact that the Apollo is a real place. And, yeah. you know, again, for me, you know, like with movies, you know, you watch them and sometimes you go, Hey, I'd really like to be that character. Well, yeah. you know, like the play in the Apollo would be great or any large theater like that. Cause that's whenever I see any comedy specials, you know, and, 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 you know, they're in the big cities and of course to do well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think it would have been funnier if we had seen Wellington a little bit more, but, uh, it was funny seeing Chris Rock get into trouble as Wellington, you know, regardless, you know, getting beat up, uh, but wearing the big Wellington coat at his own comedy club was, <laughs> uh, he's just kind of swimming in it. Yeah. And, and then Jennifer Coolidge, yeah. I was like, Oh, Stifler's mom.
1: Yep. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you know, honestly, it's, it's just uh it's expectations, right? It's a it's a rom com, you know. Yeah. Basically, so you know, it's a fun movie. I enjoyed it. I'd watch it again.
1: Right on, uh, Colin. You liked this one when you were younger. Do you still like it? Hmm. Uh <laughs> oh.
2: Long pause. <laughs> okay,
0: so I watched this like I watch, I usually whenever we record on a Saturday, I like to watch it twice. So I'll watch the movie on. Friday night and then I'll usually watch it Saturday afternoon. Yeah. So after the first watch, I was like, Oh yeah, this movie was good. I really enjoyed it. I remember really liking it as a kid or as a teenager and, and it was I still thought it was funny and I really enjoyed it. But then I started like doing the research and like reading the critic reviews, and I think the critics kind of won me over.
1: Oh <laughs> and, really? And, okay. And, they swayed and, you and,
0: and flipped me a little bit. Because on the second time I was like this movie makes absolutely no sense. The internal logic <laughs> of the movie and all the characters is so inconsistent and nonsensical that the second time I watched it, I found it basically unwatchable. I think I definitely think there are funny moments, like there's fun I would say it's a movie of like funny scenes, but the yeah. actual the actual story is too riddled with plot holes for me to enjoy or really like understand. Yeah, and I just think, and the more I thought about it, there was just—I mean, this isn't a good way to critique a movie, but I feel like there was just a million ways to do it better and wrap Mm -hmm. things up nicer. And then even seeing like this is Chris Rock's like real first movie as a leading man, and he doesn't even really like get to act at all. He's just kind of every scene he's in becomes a stand-up routine, even outside of the actual stand-up routines that he performs. Yeah, like he's he's always performing. All his dialogue is basically stand-up comedy, which oh, I feel that's like, true. yeah, at at a certain point, kind of it takes away a little bit because I don't know. You just never really get to see him become a character. You can't you can't be a character when you're always just cracking jokes and making comments to Crutchy Crutch and Big IV over <laughs> there and like and and all that kind of stuff. So I think it does have funny moments, but as a story, it just it really kind of lost me.
1: <laughs> well, it, it does make me curious about. Possibly going and watching Heaven Can Wait, because I'm wondering whether the issues that you have in the story have to do with the fact that they're, you know, changing this character up or, you know, yeah. like trying to modernize it or or whatever it is. The only thing that I don't quite understand about the 1974 one is he in that one is like a successful NFL quarterback when he dies. And it's kind of like, well, it's not as much of a change to go from being an NFL quarterback to being a multimillionaire. Like you're already kind of successful as a quarterback. So it doesn't feel like as much of a fish out of water in that case, you know? Yeah. To go from a a struggling comedian that only does open mics to this really rich guy. Like, I just feel like that's such a different shift in, in the character that it's, more interesting to see but anyway yeah that that being said i i I totally see where you're coming from
0: yeah like they did they also didn't really take a good opportunity to like play up the like poor black comedian versus rich white business tycoon they make like the funny jokes where he's like you know singing songs that he shouldn't sing and making jokes about experiences that he didn't have but like yeah but they kind of do it in a way that it doesn't really have a lot of substance like, it doesn't really, like... It's not, like, trading places, yeah. you know? Which I know we, we watched, where it's, like, you, you kind of do have that dynamic of what would happen if you switched switched roles and had, like, somebody now feeling, like, the experience of, of a black person and someone experienced, like, a black yeah. person experienced a white person's, like, side of things. So yeah. I think that was kind of, like, a missed, a missed opportunity. Like, it's still... The blackness is still very caricaturized, which I think doesn't play well in today's world. Yeah. And then even the, the the aspect of it being a romantic comedy is you can never really buy into the idea of Wellington and Santi, like, really, I don't know. I never could really buy into the idea of that really, truly going anywhere. Yeah. And I think that story-wise, it would have been better to either have his arc be, like, there has to be a way for him to actually become Lance Barton again. Like, go from Wellington back to being Lance and still... Still kind of win the girl. Yeah. His whole goal is to is was really seemingly to play the Apollo. Yeah. So like they could have also just had him like achieve that goal and then go to go to heaven and that might have been a better story instead of making him like Lance kind of ends up being the asshole of the story. Like he's terrible to Wellington's <laughs> wife. Uh-huh. And he it seeming he seemingly ends up getting Joe Guy killed.
1: <laughs> so
0: just 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 to suit
2: his own ends
0: so i don't know that that's kind a of joe it. Guy. He's...
1: <laughs> yeah he, he, he was wearing could've... a
2: red shirt what do you expect
1: yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i mean he was named joe guy like isn't that isn't that the joke in galaxy quest that the 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 one guy isn't he named joe guy in that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i like I, I see what you're saying like i once you look at it really closely yeah it, it's very much a bunch of one-liners that are all kind of connected together it's their way to take Chris Rock's comedy routine and build a bit of a story around it in a way. <laughs> so I I can see where you're getting at. But I mean, my God, it still made me laugh so much. And I thought a lot of the performances were great because it was just like it was silly, stupid fun. And they just went for it. Like between Sklar and Mrs. Wellington and, you know, Wanda Sykes doing her Wanda <laughs> Sykes thing. Like it just, you know. I had a lot of fun watching it.
0: Like, one thing's for sure is I'm not going to forget, like, the come and taste me line <laughs> ever. That is one of the most disgusting lines I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, for for me, ultimately, I can't go as low as those critics. That's for sure. Like, this is this is a 60% movie for me, at least. Wow just because of pure entertainment factor. But, you know, but then when I think about the fact that I could sit down and watch bigger and blacker and get probably the same amount of entertainment out of it and half of the same jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it just
2: a lot injured me was the, the actors around them and, uh, and the fact that they, uh, you know, like Eugene Levy and other CTV guys was always, you know, maybe really funny in the the part of in heaven and, uh, Jennifer Coolidge and the stand-up. So um, I think it had been all Chris Rock. I would have uh, rated it a lot lower if it was just Chris Rock and a bunch of nobodies that you know you, that you know, I couldn't relate with. So
1: yeah, they like with with Colin's point earlier about how he doesn't really get to have a character. He's just kind of Chris Rock doing comedy routines in every scene. Like they they at least surrounded him by a great supporting cast. Like. You know, yeah. you know, you couldn't have asked for a better supporting cast than that, I think, to put around him.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and I totally agree with what Colin said, you know, and all these one-liners. And there were just a few parts where Chris Rock was, his character was just his sincerity. And he was actually talking with, as a person, not a comedian. Mm-hmm. Because, and even amongst comedians, there's the guy who's always on. <laughs> yeah. And and that's annoying. So. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to Mr. Rock
1: (laughs) (laughs) well there we go that is down to earth and that is our show for this week a big huge thank you to our special guest this week Tim Kubasik Tim if people want I I know that you know with COVID you probably haven't been on a stage in a year but if people want to find you out there on the old interwebs or you know what what do you have going on where can they find you
2: oh well a few places on uh, on facebook i have a nervous comic fan page and i also have a nervous comic podcast out there and a nervous comic twitter that i'll start using after the show <laughs>
1: <laughs> well thank you for joining us today
2: yeah thanks tim you're welcome it's my pleasure guys it's lots of fun uh it was uh it's great to work with you guys and uh, hopefully uh we'll be able to do it again
1: yeah so, for sure you know, uh, So if you like that show, one thing you can do to really help us out on the business end is to tell your friends, share our posts. Word of mouth is the lifeblood of a podcast trying to get noticed out there. But if you want to go above and beyond and help us, go to whatever app it is you listen to your podcast on and give us five stars. It doesn't really matter what you say, but if you give us five stars in a review, it really drives us up the charts and helps us get noticed.
0: And do yourself a favor and check out our website, www.iuselikethisone.com. There you can find links to all our podcast episodes as well as our social media. We got Facebook, we got Instagram, we got Twitter. And let me tell you, Sean's meme game is on point. So you definitely want to check all those out and (laughs) like, comment, share. Tell your friends and let's get more listeners.
1: And if you would like to be a producer of the show and donate to us, you can go to patreon.com slash I used to like this one and become a producer of the show and get a shout out in the credits and become part of our Patreon community. I used to like this one is created by, hosted by and produced by Sean Wells and Colin Stewart. It is edited by Sean Wells, music by Lyndon Carter. Look for his band Carter in the Capitals anywhere you listen to music. Thank you for listening. And join us next week when we take a look at another movie on... I used to like this one.